Hello and welcome to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. And on this episode, I am particularly excited to bring back uh, one of our Black Talk Radio alumnus, as well as a slavery abolitionist extraordinaire and a personal friend of mine, Max Parthas, who is the national coordinator for the Anti-Slavery National Network. Hey, Max, I know I talked to you again, but it's good to see you. Hey, uh, Brother Scotty. Yeah, I am. Uh, I got a fancy new title now. I am the National Campaign Coordinator for the Abolish Slavery National Network, uh, abolishslavery.us. And uh, we really have been doing some incredible, historic, and epic work uh, these past couple of years. Just recently, we had some major victories that people thought was impossible. But we did it. Um, we put ending slavery in the state of Louisiana on the 2022 ballot. Uh, for those that may not know, uh, slavery is illegal in Louisiana right now, according to their state constitution, which allows for slavery as a punishment for a crime. And we have uh, put a bill forth to change the constitution. Again, to change the constitution. And we have been successful with that. So now it goes to the populace and the citizens get to decide whether or not they want legalized slavery in their state. That is huge. Right. It, it is huge. Uh, but for those who may not know, um, me and you crossed paths. I think it was back in 2012 uh, when I had an idea to launch new abolitionist radio and I was looking for modern day abolitionists. And I, to be honest with you, I was actually surprised to find some. You know, because when I read the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, of course, you know, we're talking, we will be talking about state constitutions during this episode. But when we started that show, we were focused on the U.S. Constitution. And there is a bill for those that may not know that is sitting in Congress. I believe it's in one of the committees and perhaps you might have more information on that. But to actually abolish the 13th Amendment and replace it. You know, and and so, you know, when when we first started on New Abolitionist Radio in 2012, did you envision this sort of progress during our lifetime? Um, I always had hope, Scotty, just like you did. You know what I mean? Like our goals are very simple in the beginning. Just get a couple words into the English lexicon. Let people uh, start talking about slavery and abolition because there really wasn't nobody speaking about it, as you said. Um, so our goals were simple, and we got that out there. I had a lot of hope that it would get to this point, but I had no idea how deeply involved I would personally be in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That didn't happen until like 2018 or 19 or so, uh, when people started asking me to help them do this and that. Before you knew it, we formed a, in our own institution, the Abolished Slavery National Network, which consists of states that have already abolished slavery, like Colorado, Utah, in Nebraska, as well as those that are working actively on doing it in their own states. Right. And, you know, when I reached out to you, um, well, actually, you had called me, but I was thinking about you. So because I had seen the things that you were posting on social media about some of the progress and, you know, um, during that program, we took a look at each state constitution and we also looked at you know, the fact that Ferguson is America, when we did the Ferguson is America. That's where it began, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and we were ranking, you know, where the stakes were in relation to the oppression that we saw in Ferguson. And Louisiana was one of the more, if not the most oppressive state. In fact, Louisiana at that time, I don't know about now, but at that time had more prisoners than China, the entire nation. Per capita, yes. Per capita, the, the entire nation of China. And so they were, China, Iran, and North Korea combined. Right, right. And so that's that's how bad that in slavery friendly Louisiana was. And we also looked at the fact that they had passed a law which I think was written by uh lobbyists for the private prison industry where they had a law to where they had to keep the prisons eighty percent full and even if the beds were empty, they had to pay them anyway. There are states that have those contracts with for-profit private prisons where they guarantee uh, 80 to 100% occupancy for up to 20 to 25 years. Um, how you could do that, I don't know. But yes, Louisiana was known as the prison capital of the world. I think Wisconsin is beating them now, but they will still forever be the prison capital of the world with literal plantations, slavery plantations that are converted into a prison called Angola Prison. And it covers more space than the island, island of Manhattan. Uh, that's how big this prison is. And you still have black men working in the fields, picking cotton for nothing there. And so uh, we have managed with this deep, dark South, conservative red state to get ending slavery on the ballot. And on the very same day that the Senate voted for a, uh, HB 298, which is their abolition bill in Louisiana, California was also doing the same exact thing for their bill, ACA 3, to remove involuntary servitude from there. And both of those states passed unanimously on the same day. You now, see, that's what's blowing my mind. Yeah. California, not so much because it's known as a blue state. But Louisiana is solidly a Republican hell red state. And so that means in order for it to pass unanimously, y'all had to present, and, and there was some pushback, you know, uh, based off of some information you shared earlier, but for it to pass unanimously, the abolitionists working down there in the area along with the abolished slavery network, give me just a second, I got this uh, thing starting up, but uh, working with the activists, Y'all had to have done a hell of a job of convincing these people, man. Can you um, can you talk about some of the people that was involved in that grassroots effort? Oh, absolutely. We're going to have a few of them on our uh, program, our podcast this Sunday. Uh, first of all, all the credit goes initially to the decarcerate Louisiana. Uh, they were the ones that took hold of this and worked with the Abolish Slavery National Network to form a team to be able to get this done. Uh, so Curtis Davis is the one that is the director of the Decarcerate Louisiana organization. It was also first driven by an inmate in Louisiana prisons, Brother Alomba. Uh, he was one of the first people that really started pushing it. And then Decarcerate Louisiana took up the Decarcerate Louisiana took up the mantle. So Curtis Davis and then Maria Hammond got on board. She's also a fantastic activist. Brother Laramie Griffiths was involved, of course, the sponsor of the bill, Representative Edmund Jordan, um, and so many others that worked uh, tirelessly, including representatives of the ACLU, the NAACP, 
and many other uh, Christian and Catholic organizations within the state. So they formed this huge coalition to cover every aspect. And then they went and they lobbied the senators themselves because last year, the same bill was put in, I believe it was called HB 196 at that time, and it failed. It failed with nine white Republicans standing up and explaining why they wanted to keep slavery legal in the state. And that's a that's a real bad hit. And right. then we turned it around and we went and we talked to these people and we explained to them how this thing works and found common ground. And it ended up with it going through unanimously. Not a single person said, no, we want to keep slavery here in this state. Yeah. And, and then when it comes to Republicans, because, you know, I've gotten a little bit involved in activism in my county here in North Carolina, and that required reaching out to a couple of Republicans on the county commissioners. And, and one in particular, I would just remind him of the roots of the Republican Party. I was like, the Republican Party was founded as an abolitionist party. It was founded as an anti-slavery party. And so, you know, when people want to refer to Republicans they don't like, and I'm talking about intra-party fighting, they'll call them uh, rhinos, Republicans in name only. And I told him, no, those who want to uphold these Confederate pro-slavery symbols, they are the real rhinos, as I reminded him of, of the history and founding of the Republican Party. Yes, I believe it was 1854 that the Republican Party was initially began, as you said, a anti-slavery organization, anti-slavery party. And their first presidential candidate, of course, was Abraham Lincoln, who won. Right, right. Now, you mentioned, um, before we move on to California, because you sent me a news clip that I want to play for the audience. But before we move on to that, is there anything else you, that you would like to um, talk about in terms of Louisiana? And real quick, um, yes. the podcast that Max mentioned is Abolition Today. Um, and you can find it on blogtalkradio.com as well as on blacktalkradionetwork.com. And it comes on at, Max, is the time still 7 p.m. or is it 9 p.m.? 7 p.m. every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, 4 Pacific. All right. And you'll have some of those uh, people that you mentioned on this Sunday, right? Yes, we will. They'll be our guests, both from California and from Louisiana. The title of this week's program is Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people should also know that Max is, a, is from the a spoken word community, and he's definitely a wordsmith. All right. So, um, anything you know, else about Louisiana? Yes. Um, actually, on June 21st, at the annual National Civil Rights Conference, they will be showing a film, which is a documentary that we created on the fight to end slavery in Louisiana. They just finished wrapping up the last parts of it, which was filming us getting this bill passed. Uh, and I'm a large part of that video, that uh, documentary, as well as Brother Curtis Davis and others. So it'll be showing its first uh, viewing there at that convention on the 21st. Unfortunately, I won't be able to be there, neither will Curtis Davis, because both of us will be in Vermont for Juneteenth, where several states are gathering in order to make a national statement in the state of Vermont, because Vermont, as you know, Scotty, is where it all began. 
that is right. the grandfather of the exception clauses. The very first time we ever saw an exception to slavery was in the Constitution of Vermont in 1777. Not only did they have one, they had three, including for non-payment of debts and the like. Whatever the hell the like means, you can be a slave in Vermont for the like. Right, right. And, and for those who are not familiar with the language um, that we're using, exception clause, um, the 13th Amendment says slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except as punishment for a crime. And so that's why we started calling it the exception clause. And then, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when we started studying the different state constitutions, we started finding the exact same language. And if not the exact same words and wording, then it, it, it would just be a little small, you know, difference in the words that they using, but still meant the same thing. There's an exception for slavery. And, and of course, you know, that that's just it's just crazy. That's contradictory. How can you claim as a nation or as a state to abolish something that you're making exceptions for? Scotty, that is a violation of international treaties that we've signed on to saying that there should mm -hmm. be no slavery under any circumstances anywhere. Right. And yet we codified it within our constitution, state and federal. I'd also like to uh, put something out there that you may not be aware of, but coming June 13th will be the anniversary of New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, the, about a decade ago that we began that, uh, getting it out there. And the agitation now, you see the fruits of it coming together. Right, right. And, you know, when I had spoke to you offline and, and spoke to you by phone, uh, let me make sure this video not about to start back up. I'm we, Alex Bell. Getting to the point is... We are going to play this video in just a second. It's just begging to be played. <laughs> but, you know... I think I think because of I think you were prepared for this moment to do exactly what you're doing right now. And I felt like, you know, my role and my vision and my ministry was always in media. And, you know, because Malcolm X explained the power of media. Media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It controls the minds of the masses. It makes the innocent look uh, guilty or it can make the guilty look innocent. innocent. And, and so that led to the founding of the Black Talk Media Project and Black Talk Radio Network. And, and it was shortly thereafter, a few years later, that I just happened to read the 13th Amendment. Um, and then I came across um, Lee Wood's book, and and then after his book, I came aware of, uh, I think his name is uh, Mr. Blackman. They wrote Slavery by Another Name. And, I Blackman. Saw, and, and so I was like, man, more people need to hear about this and we just need to get the word out. And then, you know, people will get in where they fit in. And and so I think though you were uniquely prepared for this moment because of, you know, your spoken word um, career. You were used to traveling, you were used to networking, and, and you were able to travel. So I, I think, you know what I'm saying, that all of that prepared you for this moment. And it's just so good to, um, you know, share in this with you. But any remarks before we go to this video? Uh, yeah, in regards to the video, I just want to give a shout out to Brother Samuel and Nathaniel Brown and his wife, Jamelia Land. For those that may not be aware, uh, Sam wrote the bill to end slavery in California while he was incarcerated in California's prisons. And then it was taken up by Senator uh, Kamlager, Sidney Kamlager, who submitted that bill. And now 
on June 13th, the anniversary of New Abolitionist Radio, uh, they'll be going through their Senate hearings to finally put it on the ballot. All right, so let's go ahead and pull this video up so that we can share it with the audience. Uh, I uh, watched it already, but it, his story is very inspiring. Not just his story, but his family's story because his wife also played um, a role in this. So His wife go. is one of the lead members of the Abolish Slavery National Network. Right. So let's go ahead and cue this up and uh, play it for the folks to hear taking a deeper look at issues locally and throughout our state. Tonight, we're taking an intimate look at an effort to strike involuntary servitude from California's state constitution. So what does that mean? Well, it describes a person who works for another against their will through some form of coercion or imprisonment, regardless of pay. Like the U.S.'s 13th Amendment, California is one of the 20 states where involuntary servitude is allowed as criminal punishment. ABC 10's Van 2 joins me now with the effort that is underway to change this law. Yeah, Alex, and it is a movement that is gaining steam across the country. Now, Colorado was the first to do so in 2018, and Californians could see this question on the November ballot if it clears the legislature. Now, advocates who want to abolish involuntary servitude say it is slavery by another name and flies in the face of rehabilitation. So I sat down with the man who wrote this bill to change changed this law and he wrote it behind bars and now released from prison he is determined not only to right wrongs through education but he says the state constitutions as well German that I said I love how you always learning something new if you had asked Samuel Brown 24 years ago if this were the life he'd be living as a father thank you baby a husband I love you and a community activist with three college degrees, he would probably say, no way. I've done a great deal of maturing. Because back then, when he was a high school graduate set to attend Sacramento State University, then I derailed it. He instead was facing two life sentences. Total crime of attempted murder. Convicted and entering California's prison system in 1997. I lost respect for education prior to going to prison. I didn't see how education was going to extract me from my immediate surroundings. But Brown, now among 37 students who have graduated from Cal State Los Angeles's Prison BA Initiative. I rekindled my love for education. Earning a bachelor's degree in communications last October. Education is a powerful transformative tool. All while incarcerated at the maximum security state prison in Lancaster. The program aimed at reducing recidivism was born at Cal State LA's Center for Engagement, Service and the Public Good in 2016. This is not just about a piece of paper. Dr. Taffany Lim is the executive director. She says when she asks her incarcerated students what they've learned in the program. It's not a specific teacher. It's not a theory. The majority of the students will say the most important thing was that I was treated as a human being. And that has led also to a sense of hope ultimate rehabilitation. After serving 24 years, Brown was released in January 2022. But getting home, he says, was a battle. Inside the prison system is forced labor over rehabilitation. 
Brown says despite his work developing emotional literacy programs for fellow inmates, good behavior, and thousands of hours of self-help programming, his chance of release was predicated on his labor. You know, prison is the modern-day plantation, and a 115 or 128 is the equivalent of the modern-day whip. Brown is referring to forms added to inmate central files for misconduct and violating rules. He explains it this way from his most recent experience as a hospital janitor at the state prison in Lancaster. I was required to be on the front line when COVID-19 hit. It's where the first California inmate tested positive for the virus. Brown said his job required him to clean infected areas of the jail. It's one of the higher paying jobs, I made 75 cents an hour, right, fighting COVID and cleaning feces off the wall and urine and blood and this was my job. With little known about the virus at the time and his risk with asthma, Brown says he told his supervisors he couldn't come in every day, but they say doing so would result in a 115. Brown says he was soon scheduled to appear before the board of parole. I couldn't survive that, so I had no choice but to do the work that they wanted me to do and continue to put my life on the line fighting COVID-19, even though I felt afraid for my own life. A conversation with his wife, Jamelia Land, inspired him to make a change. She said, well, can you, can you make an appeal about not being able to work? And I'm like, no. Nah. She said, well, just, just change the Constitution then. The California State Constitution, ratified in 1879. The original document under Article 1, Section 18 says, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, unless for the punishment of crime, shall ever be tolerated in the state. It means being a slave. It means having to do something that you don't want to do. Brown and Land contacted State Senator Sidney Kamliger after he wrote a proposal for the California Abolition Act in his cell. Kamliger is carrying it through the state legislature. It's now formally known as Assembly Constitutional Amendment 3 or ACA 3. ACA 3 is part of a national movement across the country of states working together to repeal these kinds of provisions. Like the 13th Amendment of the United States, California is among 22 states that still allow involuntary servitude on its books and the latest trying to change it. We should not be saying it's okay to have slaves, to have forced labor. We have a very dark history for many ethnic groups who've been subjected to involuntary servitude. And I just think it's time for us to stand up and say no. According to the Public Policy Institute of California, African-Americans remain overrepresented in California's prison population. In 2017, the year of the most recent data, 28.5% of the state's male prisoners were African-American, compared to just 5.6% of the state's adult male residents. And according to a 2017 report by the Prison Policy Initiative, inmates earned between 8 and 37 cents per hour on average for regular prison jobs. Brown says when prisons prioritize cheap, forced labor over rehabilitation of inmates, communities of color, especially black communities, are endlessly harmed if they can't successfully re-enter society. It's not about stripping, you know, prisoners from the obligation of working, but more so along the lines of not filling the coffers of private prison corporations who place punitive labor over those people dealing with their traumas. 
Now, ACA 3 is up for a hearing before the state Senate tomorrow, and if passed, it would be placed on the ballot in 2020 for all California voters to either approve it or reject it, Alex. And I do want to ask you, how is the state prison system responding to Samuel Brown's wanting to change this law? Okay, that would be the California Department of uh, Correction and Rehabilitation, CDCR. So, you know, rehabilitation is in their mission statement. It's in their name. However, CDCR declined to comment on this topic. However, a legislative analysis of this bill doesn't have any opposition arguments on file. However, it notes that CDCR is concerned that there would be billions of dollars in costs if they would be required to pay inmates a minimum wage. However, this analysis says that these fiscal impacts cannot be known uh, without the litigation. So it's still very unclear, Alex. All right, Van, thank you. Let's stop it right there. Can you hear me, Max? Okay. Um, a couple of quick things. Good to see corporate media getting on board with telling the truth. Because I remember and New Abolitionist Radio was still on air. Um, the podcast is, you know, it's still up and people still listening to all those old shows in the archives. But I remember doing a show during the 150th anniversary, I think it was, of either the end of the Civil War or the enactment of the 13th uh, Amendment. And Barack Obama, you know, had this big old ceremony and stuff like that. And they wouldn't even publish, you know, and all the articles writing about it, they would not even publish the entire 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution in its entirety. They, they was like, slavery has been abolish and then dot 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 <laughs> and they wouldn't even include the rest you know except for they were purposely leaving out the exception clause so it's good to see now that corporate media whether it's local or not is finally telling the people the truth now the other thing um about california and i do know you know we lost a lot of people um that are incarcerated to covid because of the horrendous conditions. And so we're not gonna get too deep off into that. But the other thing that really caught my eye about California was the fact that they had these firefighters who were prisoners out there risking their lives, some even losing their lives to battle those wildfires in California, which is pretty bad as a state because of global warming and what have you. And so your thoughts on that? Well, the firefighters were getting paid between $1 and $2 a day to mm -hmm. risk their lives. And they would also get time off uh, for every day that they were fighting an active fire. And during that period that you were talking about, uh, it was then uh, this vice president was a senator then, um, and Kamala Harris of California. And her office put out a letter when we protested about this slavery that they were using to fight fires that if they stopped using prison labor as firefighters, it would cost the state a billion dollars that they couldn't afford. So they were saying for economic reasons, we're gonna go ahead and use slavery, whether you want us to or not, right. which was a terrible thing to say uh, out loud, but <clears throat> that's exactly what they were doing and what they still are doing in California, as well as in Oregon and Colorado and other states that face these wildfires every single year. Um, I know some of these inmates 
prefer to be out doing something and earning even a dollar a day is a lot of money to them. When you're a slave, a dollar a day is a lot of money. And, and, also, and being able to get out their cage. To get, get out the cage. But just recently, last year, when it came time for those very same inmates to receive that, that time off that they had fought for and risked their lives for, California turned them down because the wildfires were going out of control and they needed them to stay as firefighters. So they hustled these people and made them stay on as firefighters yeah. uh, and didn't give them time off. And then the other thing was, once they were released from, from prison, they couldn't even get jobs as firefighter, despite that real world experience, on the job experience. And they got out because they got that felony status, they wouldn't be hired as firefighters. Now, we got we got about uh, six minutes left uh, in this episode. And I just want to thank you again, man, for all the work that you've been doing and taking the time out to come visit us here on Black Talk Radio Network and share all this good news from all the hard work that you and everybody, you know, all the modern slavery abolitionists who have been involved in, in these efforts to change the state constitution. Um, is there anything else? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, there are two things, actually. Um, one is right now to, well, not even. Max, right I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Let me just say this why it's fresh on my mind. Because she brought up what some of the opposition, even though there's nothing on record, they're talking about the finances. If we pay these people minimum wage. Well, my counter argument to that is you already make them pay taxes on the slave wages that you're paying them. So they still going to be paying taxes into the state. They will be sending money home to their families, you know, able to pay if they owe child support, you know, they'll be able to pay the child support. Uh, even if they don't, they can send it home to their families. And so it's not like that money's going to be taken out of the economy. It's going to go right back into the economy. So to me, that's a very weak argument, you know, to try to bring up. So go ahead, Max. Our, our argument from the Abolish Slavery National Network is not that we are trying to get them paid minimum wages because that's a complex issue. And in many cases, like with Starbucks, Starbucks that uses prison labor, uh, the contract, they are already paying minimum wage, but the inmates who actually perform the labor never get to see that money. Right. Anything from 60 to 80 to 90% of it is taken out of their pockets for everything from room and board on and on. Uh, so they only get pennies on the dollar. We're here to end slavery. Forced labor is slavery. If, like the brother said, COVID is uh, there and he's uh, susceptible to these types of things um, and he refuses to work, they hit him with a whip. We're going to give you 15 more years in prison because mm -hmm. you refused to work one single day. Mm -hmm. And that's got to end. That it should not be tolerated at all. All um, right. And your final thoughts, Max? Yes. I would like to give us the status of where we're at right now in the States and uh, update on a big news thing that's coming out. One, at this point in time, as of January 13th, we'll have six states on the ballot this year to end slavery. That is amazing with 15 more ready to do the same thing next year in 2023. Uh, we've already abolished slavery in three states right now. So that is all incredible just in the past two years. And then lastly, on June 15th, the ACLU National will re be releasing its report, which is a 170-page report titled Captive Labor, 
exploitation of incarcerated workers. They go into great detail about this issue and directly connected to the 13th Amendment. Uh, this is going to be a huge release and it's going to shake up the country. A lot of legal experts, academics, and acad activists are going to be digging through this thing like red meat because it is loaded with all of the uh, truth about what we're dealing with in the United States when it comes to slavery, human trafficking, and forced labor. All right, Thank man. You for so allowing me to be here today, Scotty. I appreciate you, brother. Oh, always. You know the door is always open to you, brother. So um, give us those websites. Yes. Uh, you can listen to our weekly podcast at abolitiontoday.org. You can join the fight to end slavery by visiting abolishslavery.us. And you can help with our federal amendment at endtheexception.com. All right, Max Partis, you know I love you my man and just i'm so proud of you and the work that the organization is doing and hey i'm just so excited that slavery is going to get abolished in my lifetime brother. i know right 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 <laughs> i've been in tears a couple times just thinking of how close we are to that because yeah it's amazing all right well peace and blessings to you and your family and all the abolitionists out there in peace, slavery brother. now indeed peace